everywhere I looked were issues to be solved, expenses to plan for, people that needed me to operate at my best 24-7. And all I could think was, when will it just be enough? When will I be good enough at all of this to stop struggling with it so much? Hey, my name is Lisa, and I'm a small-town mama with the audacity to believe that slowing down is the new keeping up, and joy is what makes a life successful. On the clock, I'm helping creative entrepreneurs to define their goals, gain social communication skills, take intentional action towards their dreams, and learn strategies for mindful marketing and sustainable success in their lives. Off the clock, I'm raising three beautiful and spirited children with my husband to know that they are safe to dream, question everything, be exactly who they are, use their voices, change their minds, and be weird unapologetically because life is just too short to waste it on fearing ourselves. This podcast is about how I'm learning to be my best in both roles and leave enough room for rest, recovery, and inventive imagination in my life as an example to myself, my kids, and anyone else that needs to know that it is possible. If you're interested in conversations about business, parenting, marketing, relationships, emotional health, or strategies to promote deeper presence in our lives, I think you might like it here. We can trade burnout for boundaries. We can trade perfectionism for patience. We can trade hustle for happy. This is The Joyful Enough with me, Lisa Holloway. Have you ever been inside of a moment that felt familiar and fresh at the same time somehow? Like the first deep breath after countless shallow ones that went unnoticed or Arriving somewhere completely new to you and knowing in an instant that you're home. That's what recording this episode feels like right now for me. Sitting and finally breathing life into a podcast that I have dreamed of for ages feels outlandish and significant. I think I have imagined what this would feel like so many times. I nearly convinced myself I had already lived it, but now that I'm sitting here, I recognize this for the emergence that it is in my life. Whether you've been hanging out with me since day one or found us later and worked your way all the way back here to the beginning, thank you for choosing to be here. This moment is immeasurable for me, and this is my official promise for that as long as I choose to do this, as long as I show up in this space, I will give my best to it within my boundaries, and I'll teach you how to do the same for yourself. I will share my experiences and ideas, my inspirations and findings with you in hopes that you can use those stories and strategies to build the life that brings you the most joy. What I will not do is take it personally when someone doesn't agree with something that I say, think, or am trying. Your opinions matter. Your experiences matter, even and especially when they are different from my own. But I will not allow myself or anyone else that is brave enough to share their heart here to be hurt or shamed for doing so. We cannot build something new if we're busy tearing each other down. Correction doesn't need to be critical to be effective. A respectful conversation changes minds. A raw conversation changes hearts. A hateful conversation changes nothing. It's going to be the first two or nothing for me, babes. 
If that sounds like something you're into, I want to also invite you to join us on Instagram to continue the conversations after the show, and you can find even more content on thejoyfulenough.com. So, how did we get here? How did I finally make it to a place in my life where I have time to build cardboard houses with my kids, eat meals without feeling urgency to rush back to work and start the podcast of my dreams, while also successfully running two businesses from home, nurturing a healthy and spicy marriage, and homeschooling three of the coolest kids on the planet without having a nervous breakdown every other day? I waited long enough and worked hard enough, and it finally happened. I woke up one day and I was ready and everything just started working. <laughs> That's not even a little bit true. Here's what actually happened. I had a plan. Someday I was going to write books while my kids were at school and we were going to grow gardens in the evenings together and have big get togethers on the weekends with our family and friends we would have the financial freedom to take long vacations, and life was going to be balanced with creative work, a peaceful, loving home, and we were going to do it all before we turned 30. I should mention, at the time that I was thinking this, I was 19, newly married to my high school sweetheart, Marcus Ray, and while that's all I really have to say, you get it, we were young. Six years later, we had three kids, five jobs between us, one house in foreclosure, a disgusting amount of debt, even more stress, zero books written, and no clue how to climb out of the hole that we were in. The closest we got to vacations were trips to Walmart without the kids, and even that was stressful because there was always a pretty good chance our cards would be declined at checkout. This was really not the plan. If you had tried to warn 19-year-old Lisa that in a few short years she would find herself parenting three kids on the spectrum, she would have asked you what the spectrum was. I do kind of wish I could go back and see how I would have reacted to being told I would also end up homeschooling for their needs and learn to love it. That really would have been a hoot to witness. Neurodivergency wasn't a part of the plan, and homeschooling most definitely was not. But I credit so much of the peace that we feel as a family today to the lessons we learned and the conditioning that we addressed because of those diagnoses, including my own at nearly 30 years old. I know, shocker, but we'll talk about that more in another episode. You know how a typical stovetop has one good burner and one that is acceptable to use when the good one's already in use? Meanwhile, the other one or two burners might as well not even exist. That's what my life felt like at this point, and I had to choose what to make now and what to try and save for later. You can probably guess that chasing my own dreams, nurturing a marriage, and taking care of myself got banished to the back of the fridge to grow some pretty funky junk. This is the part of the story that I would like to be able to tell you that I learned to set healthy boundaries and expectations and created functioning systems in my life that allowed us to prioritize happiness and find balance in it all. This is not that part. When I say I tried a hundred avenues of business before I found home for me, I need you to understand I mean that. I have tried so many things that it's honestly exhausting to even attempt to remember them all. 
Sometimes we go over the list just for a laugh, but one thing that I can tell you I did over and over again was desperately race to keep up with whatever goal was in front of me and inevitably work myself to burnout instead. When you're throwing as much at the wall as I was, you're bound to get something to stick every once in a while. But a season of success during that time was always followed by at least a year of drought, and I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. Other people were doing what I was doing and succeeding. There was something they knew that I didn't, and I was determined to figure out what it was, at all costs. My grandma would say every time she saw me, you're doing too much. You need to slow down. You're going to make yourself sick and these kids need you. And I would internally roll my eyes because it wasn't like I could stop. But grandma still has a good throwing arm on her, so I was smarter than to let her see me roll my eyes. She was right, and I knew it, but I didn't think I had a choice. I had to do this for my family's survival and future and hope they could forgive me later for what it was costing us now. I had to hope it would somehow be worth it. I remember the moment that I realized my 20s were ending, and it felt like I had missed them somehow in the fog that had become my life. I thought I would find happiness at the end of the hustle highway, and instead I found myself lost in a sketchy car without brakes, none of which I am a fan of. By this point, I had had success in a few of my businesses and was now focusing my energies on helping other entrepreneurs to do the same, something that I honestly hadn't planned on doing, but after helping a few friends, word spread and no didn't exactly exist in my functioning vocabulary yet, so Like everything else I had ever done before, when too much called, I accepted. The boundaries that I was teaching other entrepreneurs to have in order to responsibly protect the integrity of their businesses, I didn't have energy left over to uphold them for myself. The red flags that I was trained to notice in others approaching burnout, I ignored them in myself because Too many people depended on me to show up every single day, and I couldn't let anyone down. Work went with me to family gatherings, date nights, hospitals, and every nook and cranny of my life because when you can work from anywhere, that becomes what is expected. Maybe if I do enough, I'll be ahead and can take a break someday. The problem was that my workload didn't offer opportunity for working that far ahead on my own, and hiring good help sounded like more work that I just did not have time for. I stopped doing anything that didn't have some kind of progress benefit. I wasn't sleeping, basically ever, and absolutely no one knew how out of control my life was, including myself. I looked up at my family And I realized how much I was missing every day. And I was here. And that still makes me emotional because it was a tragic realization. I was with them every moment of every day and I was missing it. What are my children learning from my example? What have I already unconsciously taught them about what it is to be an adult in this world? I realized I couldn't keep 
doing this. I couldn't keep up with this life that I had built. But how do I fix this now? Everywhere I looked were issues to be solved, expenses to plan for, people that needed me to operate at my best 24-7, and all I could think was, when will it just be enough? When will I be good enough at all of this to stop struggling with it so much? We were stuck in a overwhelm autopilot. Every goal we accomplished was immediately replaced with five more things to strive for, and we were exhausted. We were doing this in our business. We were doing this in our home. We were doing this everywhere. As far out as my imagination could take me, I could not see a place of enough in sight for us. When I tell you These thoughts sent me into a spiral. Understand that I don't mean a cute, down-the-rabbit-hole trip through the imagination. Nay, nay. I mean a soul-bending, never-the-same-again realization crashed into me with enough force to snap me out of a decade-long blur. Of course, I couldn't see myself reaching a point of enough in my life because the vision I had in my head of enough didn't include me. At least, not who I was right now. This version of me that was overworked, overbooked, and couldn't say no to save my own sanity, she didn't belong in my vision of enough. Enough looked like building huge Lego sets with my kids that took all day and watching movies without being attached to my phone as a regular part of our schedule. It looked like exploring new places and cooking slow meals with love and being able to sleep at night because I wasn't worried about work or money or exceeding anyone else's expectations. Enough looked like joy and it felt like peace. All things that this version of me didn't know a thing about. I had completely forgotten how to feel those things. It would never matter how much of myself I gave away, how many hours I worked, or how many goals I met, this version of me was never going to make it to enough. I didn't want her there, but I also didn't have a clue how to not be her anymore. I have always been the one that people call. I was the one that everyone could count on to get it done or figure it out, whatever it was. If I didn't have the answer, you can bet your golden goose that I would find it. I was the one that wouldn't say no, wouldn't expect anything in return, would spend my free time, what little I had, to go the extra mile in the name of being thoughtful or helpful. I want to help people. That's what drew me to coaching and why I love public speaking, and writing because I'm deeply driven to be a positive influence for others and I find great motivation for myself in that practice. But I lost sight of how to do that in a healthy way. I learned skills and took courses and gave advice so that others could find a way to sustainable success and joy in their lives. And I left no room to apply those principles to my own life. Talk about some imposter syndrome. I was that girl until I couldn't be anymore. 
I was that girl until my body sat me down. I became sick from years of stress and ignoring my own basic needs and my kids had front row seats to the entire thing. That realization still turns my stomach and is exactly the reason I can tell you with 100% certainty that I will never work myself to that point again. Never. I refuse to allow that to be the example that I set for them on which they build their expectations of life. I refuse to allow that to be the pace at which they believe success is intended to be grown from. I refuse to allow them to place their ideal of enough outside of themselves and believe that they can work hard enough to reach it. I refuse to pass that lie down to them. The season of the phoenix ends here. We aren't romanticizing having to set ourselves on fire for our dreams anymore. I shouldn't have to burn out to deserve a new beginning. I shouldn't have to rise from the ashes to prove my potential. It's a beautiful thing to witness, but we forget how excruciating it is to go through. We can do better than that. We can be joyful from wherever we are and learn to allow that joy to nurture growth within us. We can learn to be enough for ourselves as we are so that the little eyes watching our every move will know they are too. We've got to find our way home to the joy that is our own. So how do we do that? You start by becoming brutally honest with yourself about where you are and what you actually need to have enough from here. Unfortunately, at least to my knowledge, we haven't figured out how to time jump yet. So starting from where you are at is the only option. Get comfortable with that. I started by noticing myself and I was surprised how alien that felt to me at first. I took notes about my patterns, my energy, my fears, my blocks, my motivations, my boundaries or lack thereof, my reactions, my habits, and my joyful moments too. I allowed myself to think wide open without judgment and I started asking myself tough questions about what I really needed in my life, what I really wanted in my life. I started to take unapologetic ownership of my decisions, actions, and outcomes. And from that, I built a map to my freedom. I built a map to my joyful enough. I want you to imagine that you have been given a basket made for you by your friends, family, and peers. This basket's purpose is to hold your daily enough. As long as you collect enough to fill this basket each day, you will always have what you need to be successful in your life, including but not limited to success in your relationships, parenting, career or business, and health. Whatever you aspire for, whatever is important to you, you can have it by filling and using this basket each day. What a nice gift, right? The problem is, this basket is huge. 
everyone you have ever known and cared about has contributed to the making of this basket. If you have allowed them to have an opinion over your life, they have had a hand in this basket. They have all weaved a little of what they think is best for you into it, and it is immense in size. I also like to imagine that this basket fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down, but that's just a personal preference of mine. Do with that what you will. It is back-breaking labor to fill this basket every day. And if we're being honest, sometimes we pretend that it's full when it's not because we can't keep up. We used to be able to tell the difference between what we were putting in the basket for ourselves and what was in there because someone wanted it for us. But we can't tell which is which now. Even when we do manage to properly fill the basket, many of its contents end up going to waste because we honestly just can't take in anymore. And some of it we just flat don't want. But we wouldn't dream of admitting that to anyone and sounding ungrateful for this gift of ours. So we grin and bear it and gorge ourselves on consuming what is expected of us. All the while, secretly wondering how long we can maintain this act of fulfillment. How'd that make you feel? Attacked? Same. So let's change that. Weave your own basket. I want to ask you some questions, and I need you to really sit with them for a while before deciding on an answer. If you want a download of these questions for later, you can find the link for that in the show notes or on thejoyfulenough.com. All right, let's find your joyful enough. What does enough to be happy in a day look like for you? Not what is enough for someone else to be happy. What is enough for you? What are the minimum requirements for a good day? Expand those questions all the way around your life. Consider what enough to be happy in every area of your world would look like. Who is a part of that with you? What does it feel like to have enough? We aren't talking about an abundance here. Not everything you've ever wanted. What is enough to be joyful? I guarantee your bare minimum answers are a lot lower of a standard than you might expect or are currently trying to hold yourself to. Build the basket that houses that version of enough in your mind. And go ahead and make it cute. This one's all your own. Let's take it a few steps further. How much work do you have to do to maintain that basket every day? Is that sustainable for you right now? If it's not, don't panic. You are a master of critical thinking and creative solution finding. Trust me, the people in your life know this about you. That's why they expect so much from you. It's time you knew that about yourself and used it to step into your own power. There is no shame in recognizing when we are trying to carry too much for ourselves. There's no shame in changing our minds or weaving new baskets as we outgrow the old in either direction. When is it enough? You decide. You even get to change your mind as often as you like. Build your basket to hold those things and know that your possibilities do not live in the basket. Only you're enough to be joyful. And if you've built your basket mindfully, you can still chase your giant 
dreams because your basket can go with you now that it is light enough to carry. And it's far more aesthetically pleasing now too, if I do say so myself. Finding your joyful enough is not about leaving your dreams of more behind. It's about figuring out what you need to nourish yourself so that you can have enough of you left over for what you want to try next. It's not realistic or fair to give scraps of ourselves to our dreams and expect them to flourish from that, but that's the messaging that we've been receiving and it's got too many of us in a chokehold. Respecting your joyful enough allows you emotional freedom to dream wide open and the clarity you need to know how to get there from here. I want to invite you to encounter the supreme power of reverse engineering your life. As a neurodivergent, I spend a lot of time in my head. Actually, as a woman, I made camp in my head a long time ago, but we'll talk about that later. Any whiff of interest on my part can turn into a full-blown obsession without my written permission at any time. I started working reverse engineering into my daily practices, and this has saved me hours a day from distracted and destructive thinking, patterns I've been familiar with most of my life. If you've never heard of this practice, let me break it down. Lead with the end result in mind. Imagine all of the parts of where you want to be. What would you be working towards? Would you have to adjust your enough to get there? If so, what does your life look like in that new version of enough? How does it feel to be there? Really get acquainted with what that destination point in your life would be like what it would feel like. Maybe you want to find a way to quit your job and be home more. Maybe you want to branch your business out to new areas. Maybe you want to be TikTok famous. Whatever it is, really sit with that idea and get familiar with what it would be like for you. Now, the most important part, imagine what it would actually take to get there and don't skip the ugly parts. I made soap for a while. Why? Because this was 2020 and soap was harder and harder to come by. And I had just discovered TikTok and, well, I was looking for something to distract me from the dread that was everywhere. I had almost no downtime in my schedule, but this soap thing felt important. So what did I do? Added another project to my plate, of course. I saw a problem, and I thought I could supply my entire community with a solution and provide for my family while I did it. After all, making organic soaps in amber glass bottles felt very on-brand for my homeschooling mom identity that so many of my peers associated me to. So it felt like it made sense to just lean into that. Never mind that who I actually am as an individual is not exactly that, but... I still had some learning to do about myself before I would figure that one out. Before I knew what had happened, I had spent over $1,000 on soap-making materials, glass bottles, and supplies to get started. And let me tell you, that didn't get very far in this particular venture. Glass was crazy expensive, but I had a plan that made it worth it in my head. I would start locally and offer a discount for repeat customers that returned the glass to be refilled. No one brought the glass back. Okay, new plan. I will trade out the glasses when I drop off new ones, like a milkman situation of sorts. That's going to work. In 
fact, why don't I buy an old mail truck or better yet, an ice cream truck and turn it into a soap delivery vehicle? I'll customize it and eventually have them all over the country. We are going to solve the plastics problem. It took all of six weeks of shaving down soap bars by hand for hours a day to make my own dish hand and laundry soaps, driving all over town to drop off glass bottles, which, by the way, I think I had two customers return glass to me. The rest I never saw again, and there was no money for me to make unless that glass came back. In fact, I was losing money. And just like that, My solving the plastics problem from small town Oklahoma and my spare time days were over. Thank goodness no one was selling an ice cream truck during that time or I probably still would have that sitting in my driveway. I don't think my 10-year-old would have enjoyed the obligatory teasing from my husband that the ice cream truck would end up being her first vehicle someday, so I, I count several blessings in that flop. If I had taken 10 minutes to reverse engineer that insane idea of mine, I would have realized that I didn't want to make room in my life for what it would take for me to pull that dream off. I would have saved myself a lot of overstimulation and burnout by being honest with myself about that sooner than I did. Could I have done it? Sure. I would have reworked that plan a million times to find a way to make it work if that's what I really wanted to do with my life. And I would have done so proudly, but it wasn't. It doesn't make it a bad idea, not a great execution on my part, but the intention was there. And it doesn't make it a total waste of time. After that, I really started asking myself better questions before falling head over heels in love with an idea and throwing myself fully into it. And that was progress for me. Failing isn't such a bad thing. We can learn a lot about what we do want by figuring out what we don't. But not every idea is worth a physical experiment on our part. We can save ourselves a lot of time and energy by asking better questions of ourselves first. What would it take to reach that goal in the amount of time you've set for it? What would it take from you, physically, emotionally, financially, socially? Would you have to adjust your core values to achieve this? What would you have to sacrifice from your schedule to make time for this? Is that something you're willing to do? Can you change your timeline to make it work? Can you adjust where you want to end up to make it work? Do you still want that, knowing what it will take to get there? If yes, congratulations! You now know what it will take and can start making moves towards your new dream. If no, congratulations! You can go get a new dream. Over the years, I have tried and even succeeded at things that I ended up later on deciding no longer fit my life. No one questions it when you walk away from something that is obviously not working, but when you decide to stop something that appears, at least from the outside, to be fruitful in your life, people can't understand that. The good news is, they don't need to understand your decisions. That's not their job, it's yours. We forget that success isn't only about financial wealth, it's about social and emotional wealth too. You are the only one 
that knows how your life makes you feel. If it's not working for you, hit pause and take a long, hard look at your basket. Does this basket represent your current standard of enough? Can you take this version of enough with you or is it holding you back? Here is what I need you to know. If your vision of enough lives outside of you, you won't find sustainable joy there, even if you reach that place on the map. If your vision of joy lives inside of, let's say, a number in your bank account, don't wait to feel joy until you reach that number. You'll only drain yourself of the potential you have to actually get there. When you do reach that number, don't be surprised when the joy you feel is short-lived. The trap is thinking we guessed the wrong number and now just need to reach a new goal in order to find joy again. You cannot keep joy that lives outside of you. You can share in it for a moment. You can do great and beautiful things with it, but you cannot keep it. It starts with you. It starts in you. Together, we're going to learn how to thrive inside of our joyful enough and be able to properly nurture the dreams we have outside of it, like a mother. I hope that this episode has added to your basket today. Just remember, you're enough. Either way. Until next time, this has been the Joyful Enough Podcast with me, Lisa Holloway. You guys, we just did that. That was episode one of the Joyful Enough Podcast, and I am freaking out. If you want to continue the conversations, come on over to Instagram and come chat with me. You can find me at the Joyful Enough on Instagram, and we can talk about all of the things. I would absolutely love for you to just take a second have a screenshot or a picture and load it up in your stories and tag us and let us know that you listened to episode one and what you think of it. While you're here, go ahead and leave a review. And again, just tell us what you think. I'm so excited to share more with you and I cannot wait to see what your joyful enough looks like. 